So, this morning we were discussing from chapter 16 of Bhagavad Gita. We, th- we covered it fairly well without reading all the different verses describing the various qualities of the demonic that Lord Krishna elaborated upon. But at the end of that discussion, before he re-emphasizes, as he did in the first verse, adherence directly, um, the adherence to Shastra as the way of Scripture, revelation as the way of the divine, before reiterating that, which he mentioned indirectly in the first verse, and after describing the qualities of the of the divine and, and the demonic, he says an important thing that um, we should didn't get a chance to discuss this morning. So, what is that? He says that the demonic type of people, people who don't have regard for for God, don't have regard for revelation and so forth, and and who are ungodly. Asura is the word he used to basically categorize these people. Asura means sura means godly, so asura means non-godly. Sometimes uh, devotees are fond of taking the different um, components of words and making kind of a fanciful meaning. meaning. So uh, with regard to asura, this can also be done kind of... Um, fanciful, etymological type of uh, analysis of the word that uh, gets at the spirit of what it means, although grammatically maybe a stretch. Asu means uh, like uh, breath, and, and ram, ramante, means to enjoy. So who enjoys the breath? It means whose pleasures derived only from the senses from the body. Such materialistic people, no regard for the nature of consciousness and their own selves, as Krishna says here in this chapter, they commit violence to their own selves and to the Paramatma who dwells within the body by disregarding the body, which in reality is is a temple of the Lord. It's said that that one does not love one's friend, one's husband, or one's wife, but in reality, the Lord, who's the life within the life of the body. We're attached to people 
as I've often said, because we extend ourselves into them by way of attachment. And, and so we like people for the self. And the self is likable because it's like God. So, such as the, the nature of the Asuras, they are blind to this and they act accordingly. So, then what is the destination of such people? This is what Krishna mentions here as he ends his description of their symptoms and qualities. He says some very strong things about them that are interpreted in different ways by different Vaishnav Sampradayas. He says, I repeatedly cast those who are envious and cruel into the wombs of the ungodly life after life, for they are the worst of humanity. Not quite as strong, maybe, as we hear at some of the Christian revival tents, the fire and brimstone, but quite strong. He says, having entered the wombs of the ungodly, the deluded, not attaining me, birth after birth, O son of Kunti, go from there to the lowest destination. So, for example, in the Madhvasampradaya, they, they reach a conclusion uh, that, based on this verse, and I imagine others as well, but uh, this is one of the verses they will cite, that some people are they're never liberated. They're demonic, and their, their souls are demonic, if you will. So they stay in the material world, and this doesn't settle well with uh, the devotees of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who are so bent as he was on canvassing and uh, disseminating the Namsa and Kirtan and, and coming up with a method of disseminating the message of, of God that is so comprehensive that even if people are not paying attention, they're caught up in that. It's like has been described in Chaitanya Charitamrita as a, like a net like a net, a fisher's, fisherman's net of, uh, of love, that when you cast the net in, then so many fishes are caught up. Hard to escape. It's uh, that unique, loving net of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Even if you're going the other way and avoiding it, Nityananda Prabhu comes, comes after you. So the idea that some will be never caught in the net, they will slip out, they will <laughs> remain in the ocean of material existence and at the bottom of it, for that matter, with no chance of ever getting liberation. It's, it doesn't settle well with devotees who have become attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his magnanimity and kindness, Nityananda Prabhu's mercy. So naturally the Godis have a little bit of a different understanding of this, these verses. No doubt people will get there they're, they're just reward, and if they're not interested in Krishna, then it will take some time and some and the mercy of his devotees for them to become interested. Here, Krishna says that having entered the wounds of the ungodly, the deluded, not attaining me birth after birth, they remain deluded. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, I believe, is the one who has commented that what the Lord means here is that until they get my association, then they won't be liberated. In other words, they become so demonic, so much against me, that they've gone so far in the one direction that they will come around and get my association directly. Almost as if if you become a big enough and bad enough demon, 
then you'll get the opportunity to take birth in Krishna Leela and Krishna will personally deal with you, at which time you'll get liberated from material existence. So it's uh, it's some kind of sometimes we wonder who are these demons in the Krishna Leela? How did how did they get there? And and they're they're actually fighting with Krishna. Well, this is some explanation. So with this verse, we're taken into Krishna Leela. But before we go there directly, of course, we should uh, go there in, in a hidden way, in an indirect way, by discussing something about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela. He is Krishna, but he is hidden. You know that he is the golden avatar, Tisa Krishna. He's Krishna, but not Krishna. He's And Krishna means black. He's black, but not black. Bhagavatam says, Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishna. Well, in one pastime of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's, he became black. He is golden, but he became black. And that was visible to everyone. Not like when he spoke with Ramananda Roy. And Ramananda Roy, at the end of his answering of Mahaprabhu's questions, had a vision of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearing as two, blackish form next to the a golden form, Mahabhav, what is it, Rasaraj Mahabhav Duye Kurup. Krishna is Rasaraj. He is the uh, supreme enjoyer. And Radha is Mahabhav Swarupini, the form of Mahabhav. So we have Rasa and Prem, these two. And you can't really have one without the other. And he saw these two, and he saw the two became one as a sannyasi and as two. So, like that. But this was only shown to Ramananda, not to everybody. But at one, in one pastime, he actually became black before everyone. Do you know what it was? This is the scholar, he knows. When he took away the sins of Jagai and Madai. Yes, when he liberated and Madai, he became black before everyone. He looked very beautiful. But it symbolized his taking away the sins of Jagai and Madai. And their sins, he said, had no limit. Actually, they were born in, in very good families, which is also instructive to us. Just as Prahlad was born in a bad family, and their relatives, actually, Lord and uh, Jagai, Madai. So things change. Uh, sometimes devotees are born in bad families and sometimes non-devotees are born in, in good families. So birth is not the determining factor in anyone's position. It may say something about us, huh? our background, but for what reason we took birth in that family, there may be a number of extenuating circumstances. Just like it's questioned sometimes that if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna and Nabadweep is therefore non-different from Vrindavan and if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna and he appears with his associates as he should then why all of his associates did not appear in Nabadweep? If he's the same Brajendananda and Krishna of Braj then all of his brudge associates should come with him and they should have taken birth in Navadweep. But they didn't. We see some came from other places, outside of the Gauda Mandala. And the answer, of course, is given 
that the Lord put them in different places because he had a plan to extend the bhakti of Braj and the opportunity to take part in that secret, private affair, intimate affair of love, divine love, extended to everyone. So he placed devotees in different places outside of the circle of Goda. So birth is not the determining factor. Again, Prahlad was a great devotee and he was born as the son of Hiranyakashipu, a big demon, kind of a big demon. There could not be a bigger demon than Hiranyakashipu or Hiranyaksha or Ravan and Kumbhakarna, Tantavakra and Shishupal in Krishna Lila. These were very big demons. Kamsa, of course, takes a big position. But these six, Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyaksha, Ravan and uh, Kumbhakarna, Shishupal and Dantavaka have a special position, as does Jai and Vijay, or as does Jagai and Madai. And that is that they are all different appearances of the gatekeepers of Baikuntha, Jai and Vijay, who apparently made some offense and fell from Vaikuntha. Now this morning we, we said that wasn't possible, but somehow they fell. We'll have to analyze that and harmonize the apparent contradictions, arrive at the same conclusion. So Jagai and Madai, they, in Gorlila, they were, this was uh, kind of their encore appearance, if you will. They had appeared three lives previously. So discussing them and Chaitanya Lila naturally takes us to Krishna Lila, from Chaitanya Bhagavat to Srimad Bhagavata. They were from very good families. They were from Brahmin families. Their names were Jagarananda and Madhavananda. So <laughs> they were uh, from good families and they were uh, had even respectable positions. They were policemen, constables, turned bad. So when a, when a policeman turns bad, then it's really bad. And they terrorized the whole of Nadia with their activities and were grossly sinful. So much so, it is said, that Chitragupta, who is the uh, data inputter in Yamaraja's abode, the place of, for the dead to be uh, judged, he inputs the data of everyone's, how they use their senses, how they move in the world, what they look at, what they listen to what they talk about, and so forth. And all of these movements that we partake in through the senses in relation to objects of the senses, the smells and sounds and forms that we see and things that we touch and so forth, that all that interaction with material nature done from a worldview that is born in our own mind doesn't do justice to all the sounds and smells and tastes and forms of the world. It means that our interaction with them, born out of a worldview that, that, that arises in the mind, doesn't allow us to see those things, those manifestations of material nature for what they really are, what their full potential, what's their life, in other words. Everything has a life in relation to God. It's, everything is manifest from him for, for his own purpose. When we're seeing outside of that, separately from that purpose, for a purpose born in our own mind, then we take the life out of things. 
this turns kind of the world into this is, means the, the material uh, Anglo-vision to see within the, uh, the uh, within the finite conception of life. As I said, this, we were talking about this morning, the mind is not a live thing itself, so it, it tends to make everything dead in comparison to the life that it could have. When things are seen in relation to Vishnu, in relation to Krishna, then they take on a, their, their full um, potential is tapped and realized. And when seen, the world is seen in that way, then it becomes Vishwam Purnam Sukhayate. The world, the universe becomes a, a place of joy rather than a place of misery and a struggle for existence and so forth, as we were talking about earlier this morning. This is the vision of Vaikuntha. So when we move outside of that vision, then we're implicated in relation to material nature for, for abusing it, so to speak. So there are reactions. That's the network of, of karma. And so all of that movement is recorded, it is said, by this Chitragupta. He's the data input of all of this information. And then there's a printout at the end is given to Yamaraj, and he reads it, and then he makes a determination. You lived your human life like this. Now the human life is most suitable for something, for serving the Lord. It gives us the opportunity to know that we exist, and that's a very wonderful opportunity to think that you, that you are. And if you think deeply that what you are, that, that you are, then why are you, and for what purpose, and and so forth. Human life is for this, but to abuse that and simply to live for the pleasure of the senses, to, for, the, for the breath, for the body. This is the Asuric way. And it's an abuse of the human life. So we would be better suited if that is our interest, to have another form of life. And Yamaraj is there to make the arrangements. This is the idea. But when uh, this uh, Jagai and Madai went bad, they became bad cops, then the, the, the measure of their sinful activity was so great that the Chitragupta's computer shorted out. Hmm. He couldn't keep track, this is the idea. So when Krishna's devotees, this takes us back to the gatekeepers of Bhakuntha, Jai and Vijay, and how they took birth as demons in three births and then in a fourth special birth as Jai and Vijay, when they become demons, they do it in a big, in style. <laughs> so, recognizing the measure of their sinfulness and contamination and so forth, Nityananda Prabhu had a desire. He had actually been told, he and Thakur Haridas, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to go out everywhere, every day, in the streets, and door to door, and Asked people to perform Namsan Kirtan. As you may know, previous to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, Advaita Prabhu was uh, performing Sankirtan in his house with some devotees, but it was not something that, that, that they would take to the public or that the public was interested in for that matter. They used to have Kirtan at Shiva's Thakur's house and people would become upset, thinking, these people are staying up at night making all this racket, and they call it a religion. Everybody knows, you know, if you're going to be really religious, you should be quiet, meditate, and pray, and it's a private thing. 
And they're trying to make this, uh, this uh, a public affair. They took uh, exception to that. But at uh, this time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu was just forming his, uh, his Sankirtan revolution. And he told Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur to go out and canvas to other people. Tell them the glories of the name of Krishna. And sometimes they would be well received and sometimes they would be dismissed. This is the way of, of preaching. Not every door will be open. Sometimes the doors will be closed in our face. Sometimes we may be insulted. Pujapad Sri Ramarsh gave a very beautiful, very compelling uh, paraphrase of what is, in one sense, the, really the culmination, the high point of the journey of uh, Gopakumar in Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Gopakumar was telling his own story, how he went from material existence all the way to Goloka Vrindavan, to his uh, disciple. And when he enters into Goloka Vrindavan and he sees the inhabitants, Krishna is in the, in the, in the forest with his cowherds, and so all the villagers are simply morose and moping and waiting for him to return. And he sees them all, they're very beautiful, he's very charmed. Some elderly person explains to him what's going on. Just now, soon, Vrindanandan will be coming back with his friends, Balaram and the cows, and everyone is waiting for that. So then suddenly, suddenly the, the Krishna's flute sound comes, and the dust from the hooves of the, of the cows that he's herding coming in at dusk. The sun is setting, and the hooves of the cows are making so much dust go up into the air that the sun is clouded, but it's brighter than than it could be at, at noontime because of the appearance of, of Krishna back in the village. Actually, the sun is, is hiding behind the hooves, the dust from the hooves of the cows, as if to say, here is the real sun, here is the real illumination in the life of everyone. My power to illuminate is only derived from him. I'm merely a reflection of that. Then he sees Gopakumar, and he goes and embraces him and then falls on the ground, faints. And the devotees, they wonder, who is this? Is some demon come, sent by Kamsa? Has made Krishna faint like this before us? What to do? And Krishna awakens, and then he speaks, and he says, Sridhar was paraphrasing, for so long I've been waiting for you to come. And I knew all the struggles I was aware at every moment, all the difficulty you went through to attain me. Sometimes you went door to door on my behalf, and sometimes people closed the door on you. And some nights you went to bed, even hungry, in my service, not caring for any difficulty that may you may have incurred. And I made note of all of that, all your trials and tribulations in your effort to serve me and come to me. And all this has endeared you to me so much. And this is the culmination of that. Again, he embraced him and took him home to the house of Mother Yashoda. So our efforts don't go unnoticed. Hmm? When Mahaprabhu himself, Sri Chaitanya Dev, in his Mahaprakash at Srivastakur's house, revealed himself, 
to the devotees, to the assembly of the devotees, that they had some sense, maybe he's God, maybe he's Krishna himself. And of course, then the question would be, well, where are his associates? So Mahaprabhu would reveal to them, you are my associates. <laughs> you very well thought out you are, that Krishna should, if Krishna was to come, his associates should be here. Where are they? You are them. And he showed, see, I am Bhagawan, and you are so-and-so. In this Leela, you came with me. In that Leela, you appeared in this way. And Shivananda Sain was there. He told him something like this. Do you remember? You were fleeing from the Muslims who were attacking your, your village, and you came to the shore, and there was no boat for you and your family to cross. You came to the shore of the river, and they were behind catching up to you, and lo and behold, there was no boat. And then do you remember, as if out of nowhere, a boatman came and took you to the other side. I was that boatman. I've been with you everywhere, in every difficulty, in every trial, in every tribulation that you've encountered. You depended upon me, and I was actually maintaining you. For the Sharanagata, the surrendered devotee, this is a fact, as we mentioned this morning. We should try this, make an experiment and see, validate this theory by depending on Krishna. See if he doesn't maintain us. He has to. This is the law of Sharanagati. Even, uh, even Kali, the personification of sin, when he became a Sharanagata at the feet of Parikshit Maharaj, a great Mahabhagata, he was going around uprooting any sinful activities from his kingdom, and he met who but sin himself, Kali Yuga, just as his personified, as his time was coming. And he, he, he told, you cannot stay here in my kingdom. There cannot be any of these illicit activities that you personify. And Kali surrendered. He said, yes, I surrender to you. But one thing is, this is what I am. And what can I do? And this is my time. Now it's come. Kali Yuga. So you have to somehow make some solution to the problem. I can't just go away. So then he made an, he made an arrangement. All right, you can stay in my kingdom. You can stay where, wherever there... There was no, no illicit activities in his kingdom. But he said, wherever there's the hoarding of gold... Then you can stay there. He gave him a little, an inch, and of course, Kali took a mile. But the point is that this uh, Parikshit Maharaj dealt with him as a Sharanagata. He surrendered, so he had to give him some place. So if we become a surrendered soul, Krishna will take care of us, undoubtedly. Very touching that paraphrase of Sridhar Maharaj describing Gopukumar's entry into Goloka Vrindavan. How Krishna is watching over, keeping keeping track, just like Chitragupta is keeping track of all of our non-devotional activities. Krishna is personally keeping track of all of our devotional activities and is drawing him closer to us all the time. With this Jagai and Madai, they had a huge record of sin. It was a computer meltdown for Chitragupta. And when Yamaraj heard how Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu dealt with them, he passed out. 
he fainted. The implication of that is the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the kindness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as exhibited in relation to Jagai and Madai, with such sinful persons, is that mercy is so extraordinary that, that practically in the scope of, in the wake of that, in the face of that, Yamaraj just gets, is taken out of the picture entirely. Therefore, it's said that um, for those who chant the holy name, then, then Yamaraj has no jurisdiction over them. For those who chant the holy name following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, particularly, Yamaraj has no jurisdiction over them. So the hells, they are just imagination for us. They are a result of a world born in the mind. But if we live in a mind, in a worldview derived from scripture, if we look, live in a worldview that comes from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then we can say those hells, those just imaginations. They don't, they don't really exist. Not for us. Only for people who, who imagine that there's, that there's no God, that life is meant only for enjoying the senses. Such deluded people, they end up in such a situation, imaginary situation. It has no bearing on ultimate reality. So Jagai and Madai, they were very sinful. And Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur were sent out by Mahaprabhu to canvas, as I said, on a regular basis. And naturally, in due course, they came across these two. And they requested them to chant the name of the Lord from a little distance, because people told, don't get close to them. They're murderers and, and drunkards and so forth. And they even killed kill Brahmins and cows. But uh, they had courage because why? They had been ordered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to go out. And so they were bent on following his order. They had confidence in that order. They had confidence that in that order was the power to, to execute the order as well. But Nityananda Prabhu also thought another thing, seeing them. He thought, now, here is really an opportunity for me here is my chance to, to get a name for myself. This is what Nityananda Prabhu thought. What kind of nep- reputation did he want? I want to be known as the servant, the humble servant, the most magnanimous person. Gauranga Mahaprabhu is the most magnanimous person. Here I have the opportunity to make that known. Actually, I'm saying it in a funny way, but he he wanted only to showcase Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The implication of which is that he would become known. Rather than asserting himself, he would become known as a servant of a great person. And this is the true import of the word Mahatma. Mahatma means great soul, Mahatma. And so Krishna is a great soul. In comparison, we are all small and insignificant. But such small souls as ourselves can become great. How? By acknowledging the one soul who is great. Then suddenly we become great as well. So Mahabha means Vaishnav, a servant of Bhagavan. And Nityananda Prabhu, of course, he is Bhagavan, but he's uh, like, uh, takes the mood of being the, the, the servant of Bhagavan, the best servant. Nityananda Prabhu is Balaram himself, Anantasesh who serves Vishnu in every way, from top to bottom, 
from head to toe and in between, as his umbrella over his head, as his shoes beneath his feet, as a Brahman thread that covers his torso in the middle of his body, and the bed, as the bed on which he lies, the seat on which he sits, and so forth. So he expands himself in all these ways to serve Vishnu. But appearing as, as Nityananda Prabhu, he became the best servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In this pastime, gave him the opportunity to be known as such in, indirectly, then he's really glorified here. But his intention was only to give position to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not to himself. didn't want any position for himself, and he got such a big position. In fact, Nityananda Prabhu was difficult to understand, even for the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he was always going out of his way to try to demonstrate to them that Nityananda Prabhu should be respected, because sometimes he acted in ways which people thought was a little bit uh, unworthy of respect. He would do crazy things. In fact, this very thing he did was a bit crazy in the mind of Thakur Haridas. The Lord told us to go and approach people, but, I mean, <laughs> you know, we could find some other people with it today. Even the people we approach are telling us, don't approach these people. So as long as we're approaching people, we're following the orders of the Lord. There's plenty of people to talk to. <laughs> So why do we have to talk to them? And particularly, they look a bit dangerous. And as I say, the other people that we're talking to are telling us that as well. But Nityananda Prabhu thought, no, if we can, if we can deliver them, then Mahaprabhu's mercy is known. Uh, it shows itself often in secret ways, within people's hearts. He reveals himself. I want to bring it into the open, who he is. And if we can deliver these two and make them into followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if, he, if, if we can get his mercy for them, then he will be known as Patit Pavan, deliverer of, of the most fallen. So, this Nityananda Prabhu then approached them, and of course they were not uh, receptive. In fact, they began to chase Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur. And the two were, were, were running full speed, Nityananda Prabhu running away from them. This is not a Leela, of course. God, Balaram, acting like a, like a human being. Running away from two sinners. And uh, they got close, Jagai and Madhya, but they couldn't quite catch them. And then they came with, out of breath to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and explained what had happened. And everyone was amazed and, and, Shiva's talk said, oh, I know these people, they're well-known in Nadia, they are such and such, they come from good families, but they're most sinful people. Mahaprabhu said, yes, I've heard of them also. Nityananda Prabhu said, I thought if they could be delivered, then that would be a great credit to you. He said, oh, you've, they've, seen, they've had your darshan, they've already liberated. It has to happen. They went and, then Haridas went and talked with Advaita, he was still a little shaken by the whole affair. And Advaita Prabhu said, yes, what can you expect? If you keep the company of a drunken person, then you'll meet with other drunken people and that will be your association. <laughs> Nityananda Prabhu, he's drunk, mad, drunk, mad with love of God. He's drank the prem of Mahaprabhu till the wee hours of the morning. He's a drunken person. So it's no wonder that you've become implicated in that kind of association. You'll become a drunk person too. So Haridas could understand, and he laughed, and he had now confirmation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and uh, Advaita Charja. 
that there's no cause for any fear from these two, or in the course of executing the order of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Although ostensibly, externally, and it may appear that we'll put ourselves in difficulty. That's not the fact. So then, Mahaprabhu was performing Kirtan, the house of Srivas and Jagan Mother. They came nearby, and they camped out along the bank of the Ganges, and there they were drinking and causing havoc, and, and people would not come near them, go to the Ganges to bathe alone. They'd come only with five, ten, twenty people as a party for fear that uh, Jagai and Madai would attack them, abuse them. But in the night they were drunk, and they would hear the kirtan from a little distance, so they would get up and dance, and mimic and so forth, like this. And... Nityananda Prabhu and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came out with their kirtan and Nityananda Prabhu approached them and asked them again, please perform kirtan. And then Madai took a clay pot and threw it and hit the head of Nityananda Prabhu and caused him to bleed. And he fell over. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu immediately came. And just before, just before he appeared, uh, this uh, Jagai, the brother of Madai, Jagarananda told Madhavananda, hey, you know, what's, what's this going to get us? We beat up some sannyasi, some renunciate. Why waste your time doing, doing like this? You shouldn't do that. He gave him some good advice. He was going to try to hit him a second time, and Jagai stopped him. So there's a little good in everybody. comes out here and there. It wasn't uncommon that sometimes Jagai would stop Madai or Madai might stop Jagai and say, that's enough, let that guy go. But this time Jagai did this and in relation to Nityananda Prabhu. And so when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and he manifested his chakra, Sudarshan chakra to kill the two of them, then um, Nityananda Prabhu stopped him and said, this Jagai, he has stopped Madai. Madai may have beaten me, thrown something at me, attacked me, but this fellow stopped him. Immediately Mahaprabhu gave him prem, and Jagai became rolling on the ground with ecstasy, love and tears pouring from his eyes, and chanting the name of Krishna. And seeing this Madai, he, be, he said, well, wait a minute, you know, so I've given him good advice sometimes in the past. How can you not, why do you not share this with me? And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him the reason. No. Jagai could be delivered because Thus far, although the two of you are the most sinful people, there was one sin you did not commit. One sin. That is a sin of the soul. There are sins of the body and sins of the soul. Sins of the soul we call aparad. They are what goes against worship. And amongst them, one is, is said to be most prominent and it should be avoided at all costs. That is the Vaishnava parad, to offend a Vaishnava. That person who goes on behalf of the Lord and gives the opportunity for people to become Krishna conscious. So he said, that's why you had not offended any Vaishnava. So it was still possible for me to deliver you. Jagai had not offended any Vaishnava, so I delivered him. But you offended Nityananda Prabhu. So you have committed Vaishnava parad. So you're off limits now. I cannot deliver you. doesn't matter how many sins you may have committed, there's no problem for me to deliver you. But, oh, you made Vaishnava Parad, now I'm, my hands are tied. 
only if Nityananda Prabhu himself, the Vaishnava of whom you've offended, forgives you, then can you have my mercy. So, of course, Nityananda Prabhu, he begged Nityananda Prabhu for forgiveness. Nityananda Prabhu embraced him. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then embraced him. And then the Golden Lord turned black before everyone's eyes. Advaita Prabhu said, Oh, you look just like Sham Sundar himself. <laughs> How could it be? <laughs> he took all the sins of Jagai and Madai both completely, and his golden complexion turned blackish. Krishna, the word Krishna means black, actually. So in this pastime, as I say, Mahaprabhu showed himself to be Krishna. And this is the import of this uh, verse of, of two verses of the Gita, that until they get my association, they cannot be liberated. If they become sinful enough, I'll come and personally deal with them. They can enter my leela and I'll take care of them. Now, of course, as I mentioned, these two are Jai and Vijay. They were gatekeepers of Vaikuntha. And they fell from Vaikuntha and had to take birth three times as demons. The third time was in Krishna Leela. At that time, they met Krishna personally. Shijiva Goswami points out in his Krishna Sandarbha that, that when the demon, when they were killed by um, Vishnu and by Ram in the previous two Leelas, they didn't get liberated. But when they were killed by Krishna, then they got liberated. In other words, they were killed by Nishringhadev, Hiranyakasipu, by Baraha, Hiranyaksha, by, by Ram, as Ravan and so forth. But when they appeared as Shishupal and Dantavakra, then they actually got liberation. He uses this to say that this is, this is another way to understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If the demons are killed by Vishnu, they don't get liberation. But if they're killed by Krishna personally, they do. And of course, Krishna appearing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that is like an encore appearance, a special appearance. And so Jagai and Madai came along as well. But the story of Jayanti Jai is a very important story of Srimad Bhagavatam. So we go from Chaitanya Lila to, to uh, Chaitanya Bhagavat to Srimad Bhagavatam. By the grace of Jai Vijay. By the grace of Jagai and Madai. Jagai and Madai are like, uh, they indirectly say, gave so much glory to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And they said that because he delivered them, he, he, that news just went everywhere. He's delivered Jagai and Madai. It has rippled throughout all of Nadia and flowing beyond. Unbelievable. He was like the Judas of Christianity, made Christ's mission possible. So, when we understand to what extent their deliverance played a part in positioning Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to inundate the world with Sankirtan, then we can understand, oh, they are they must be devotees themselves. And of course, as they say, it's a fact. They were the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha. Now, how did they get in this position? And of course, the story is related in Srimad Bhagavatam, I believe in the third canto, and it's reiterated again in the seventh canto to some extent. At that point, Nard is speaking and he says, that really I envy the demons that Krishna kills because 
their minds are so absorbed in Krishna. I wish that my mind could become so absorbed in Krishna as theirs is. Jai Jai, they were guarding the seventh gate on the western side of Vaikuntha. There were six gates previous. These gates are something like representative of the different stages of sadhana bhakti. After we get Shraddha and Sadhu Sangha and begin the life of, of bhajan and spiritual practice, we have so many gates to go through before we can enter into Vaikuntha. They were guarding that final gate on the western side, and western side, at least in the material world, it's the opposite of the eastern side. The eastern side is the side of the gods. So we could expect maybe some trouble, even in Vaikuntha, at the western gate. And uh, to that gate came the four Kumaras, who opened the other gates by the power of their mind. By the power of their mind, the other gates opened and they just went in automatically. But they got to the seventh gate and they were questioned as to their credentials for entering Vaikuntha by the gatekeepers, Jai and Vijay, who then, misunderstanding them, cursed them to fall from Vaikuntha. They had some conception of Vaikuntha and Bhagwan, the Kumaras. They would meditate upon him in the heart. They had some conception of Vaikuntha, but not the full conception of what Vaikuntha is. So they got close to entry, but were blocked at the seventh gate. They were jnanis. Krishna says in the Gita, jnanis, they're very... Uh, who comes to me through jnan, through knowledge, is most dear to me. But they were checked from entering, and Vishnu Narayan was in his palace with Lakshmi, and there was some commotion at the gate. So he had to go out and, and deal with it. Actually, Lakshmi said, get out there, do something. Making noise at the gate. This couldn't be seen in public, Lakshmi speaking like this to Narayan. Only in private quarters. So out he went, and there he saw the four Kumars. Of course, he knew the Kumars, and they had a certain conception of him. But he spoke in such a way that their conception was transformed. Actually, at that time, they smelled the tulsi from the, from the lotus feet of Narayan, and the full conception of Vaikuntha came within them. And then Narayan explained it. He said, I have offended you, and I would like to apologize. More or less, this is what he said. And these Kumars, they were very smart, they were Ghanis, so they could immediately understand. Narayan is saying that these gatekeepers are non different than him. They're the ones that offended us. In our minds, we took offense. And in Ganmarg, you have to be careful. Like Shiva was, is, is also in some ways symbolic of in one, some of his forms of the Ganmarg. And if he gets upset, then if somebody abuses, he may burn them to ashes or something like that. Like Cupid. Cupid tried to, to distract him and he burned him to ashes. Therefore, Cupid became ananga, invisible, without any anga, without any body. The implication is that he became more dangerous. He comes invisibly. So, jnana is not sufficient to overcome the attraction of material existence. When we become attracted to Krishna, when we become attached to a sadhu, a Vaishnav, and thereby to Krishna, 
And that kind of positive attachment can uproot our attachment to material existence. And that is the end of knowledge. That is the bride named knowledge, Vidyabhadu Jivanam, as Mahaprabhu says in Shikshastakam. Knowledge ends there in devotion. So the Kumars, when, when Narayan said, I have offended you, he understood that Narayan considers all of these people of Vaikuntha just like himself. If they, any move they make is an extension of his own movements, that is Leela. He's the supreme enjoyer in moving in different ways. Just like there is Krishna. Is Krishna incomplete? No. Krishna is full. He's Shaktiman. So all the Shakti is within him. Still, to facilitate his life as an enjoyer, what does he do? Radha Krishna Pranay Vikatiladini Shakti Rasmad. Ekatmano Vapi Bhuvi Puradeham Bedogatoto. Chetan Yakyam Prakatam Madhunat Tadvayam Chaikamaptam. Radha Bhava Duti Subalitam Naomi Krishna Surupam. Srup Damdar said, said this. And Krishna Das Kaviraj recorded it in his Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mangala Charan. Krishna is one, Eko Bahusham. One becomes many, becomes two. The one Krishna became two eternally. Inside of Krishna, Ladini Shakti is present, that pleasure potency. But he manifests that pleasure outside as Radha in a separate form, which then complements his own form and facilitates his tasting of ecstasy of love. So the devotees, they become influenced by that Ladini Shakti, by the Surup Shakti that Radha embodies. Coming under that influence, they enter into the circle of the Lord. This is Leela. And therefore their movements are a facilitating of the life of Bhagawan, which is to enjoy himself. That's all. So the Kumars, they're very smart. Just from what Narayan said, they could understand this point. Oh, these people, this place, Vaikuntha, is a little different than we thought. Everything that goes on here, this is the, this is completely, under, this is the Lord ex- expressing himself. He said, I have offended you. He didn't say, oh, my gatekeepers have offended you. Shame on them. He took full responsibility for what they did. So immediately the Kumars became very humble and they thought, oh, we have made an offense, actually. To curse the gatekeepers, we have made an offense. But Narayan, nonetheless, he maintained it. He said, oh, you've cursed them. Yes, they've, they've, we acted like this and Vaikuntha is unbecoming. And so he let the curse stand that they would have to go to the material world. He gave the choice. You could take birth seven times as a devotee or... Is it? And three or three times as a demon. The background to all this is what? These gatekeepers, Jain Vijaya, they were so tuned to Vishnu Narayan's desire hmm, that they sensed in him some desire for Virarasa, to be a hero, to be a fighter, to taste the rasa of like Vyudhabira, fighting hero- heroism. And Krishna cannot taste rasa that rasa by fighting with the demons. That's a different thing. Bhakti is favorable. So, uh, not inimical. When Krishna's boyfriends, cowherd friends, they fight with Krishna, then they have no enmity towards him. 
They don't want to kill him. They want to defeat him because he will take pleasure in that. They are very fond of this heroic rasa within Sakya rasa, this secondary rasa. Bira, they are always enjoying Yudhavir, fighting with Krishna, wrestling with him, challenging him and so forth. So in that instance, Krishna tastes the rasa, Bira rasa, not when he kills Kangsa. But in the case of Jai Vijay, they were devotees. They could be big demons and Narayan could taste this Bira rasa with them. They understood the background, so they had some desire. So this way the Kumaras came for this purpose. This is orchestrated by the Lord. And this way they were cursed, and this way Narayan accepted it, and so forth. And, and this way they took their birth. They fell from Bhakuntha. How did they fall from Bhakuntha? Because they didn't fall from Bhakuntha. Because what is Bhakuntha? Only desire to serve the Lord. A desire to serve Him in a way that mandated that they move out of Bhakuntha and go to the material world where the Lord could taste this and they would be the enemies with, with whom he would fight. So if we look carefully, we see they actually never left the spirit of Bhakuntha. It was a special arrangement. It's not that they actually did something, something wrong. They're faultless and blameless. And in three successive births, they appeared, and as I say, in an encore appearance, when Krishna again came himself, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they came as Jagai Madai. And Mahaprabhu's deliverance of them was a big news. And it told the world, oh, he has the, such power, like Krishna himself, can take away the sins of the whole world. Not only take away their sins, but give them such extraordinary uh, position in liberated life. So, this takes us, as I say, from Gorlila into Srimad Bhagavatam, and in Srimad Bhagavatam, the story of Jain Vijay and the three successive births and with relation, in relation to Krishna Leela, then these two were born as Shishupal and Dantavakra and they were killed by Krishna at the, towards the end of the Leela. Dantavakra is like one of the very last demons that Krishna killed, just, just uh, in, in Mathura, just outside of Vrindavan. After killing whom, he slipped across the Jamuna, and again went back to Vrindavan. So that is another discussion. Now we've come to the beginning of the, back to the beginning of the Vrindavan Leela, which we said is going in a circle and a circle. And so rather than discussing Shishupal and Dantavakra, which come at the end of the Leela, we'll begin tomorrow by discussing the first of the demons in Krishna Leela. Who's that? You'll get it wrong. Now you might get it right. Who is the first demon that appears? Putana. Who said Putana? It was a good try. The obvious wrong answer. <laughs> it seemed like it should be the right answer. Shakatasura? No. Putana came before Shakatasura. Yes. <laughs> even even Brigham got it wrong. Kamsa? <laughs> Kamsa appeared first, no? And as we'll hear, Putana, Shakatasur, Trinavarta, Agasur, Bhakasur, Ratsasur, all of them were subordinate to Kamsa. He was the demon amongst demons in the Krishna Leela. So we'll hear about him tomorrow and how he worried himself to death. And therefore why we should not worry.